up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Pure Sports Pod. This is Matt Weirich along with Kevin Haswell. NBA playoffs are now in the second round. We have NHL playoffs also in the second round. Caps getting that first one nothing win uh, or evening the series at 1-1. to um, Been a lot of fun watching that. I'm finally getting into some hockey, watching uh, some of the second round Stanley Cup playoff games, so it's been a lot of fun. But uh, NBA is really taking over right now. we got some really exciting series coming up. Kevin, how you doing? Doing great. Uh, you know, the Sixers, I predicted at the beginning of the season they win a playoff series. People laughed at me. They won a playoff series, and tonight they get to go up against the Celtics team that's kind of limping their way through the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be exciting. On my uh, on my network, TNT, uh, it should be a good game. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. And, you know, I think we're all witnessing greatness. We say it every year with LeBron in the playoffs, but 40-plus points again in a Game 7. He now... Um, has the best points per game average in Game 7s in NBA history, ahead of Michael Jordan, averaging 35 a game. So, yeah, we're in the Eastern Conference, we're really witnessing history. And then the Western Conference, it's really the, the battle of the two best teams in the NBA. I mean, the Rockets um, dismantled the, the Jazz, who looked really good in the first round. And then the Warriors um, looked really good against the Pelicans, even without Steph Curry. And big news today, Steph Curry should be back for Game 2. That's going to be uh, huge down the stretch. I know we're going to talk about all this. I just, you know, wanted to talk about the excitement surrounding the NBA right now, and it's, it's, you know, going to be great. I'm, you know, the only way I can come up with right now is excited. <laughs> uh, the NBA is great. Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of fun series coming up, and we'll go ahead and start right where you left us in the Warriors Pelicans. Warriors taking Game One uh, the other day, one twenty three, one hundred one. Uh, and something to note about the Pelicans is they're trying to beat the Warriors at their own game here. This is a very fast-paced team, um, averaged uh, one of the fastest paces in the NBA over the regular season. Uh, and the Warriors are coming off a series in which they played the Spurs, one of the slowest uh, teams in the, in the entire league uh, with you know all the age that they have. They're more of a methodical team than anything else. Um, but the Pelicans are trying to beat the Warriors. It's something that they excel at so well. Um, this is going to be a high-scoring series, definitely. Uh, with both teams having you know very elite offenses, um, but with Steph Curry coming back, that's a huge blow for New Orleans. You know they're going to have to really match up well uh, with that backcourt. And do you really think that's possible? Do you think they come out of the series with a win? Pelicans? No way. Um, you know this series is going to be over. I mean, even without Steph Curry, they won by 22. Um, Draymond Green had you know the game of his life: 16 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists, three steals, two blocks. Plus 28, plus minus, 5 of 9 shooting um, from the field. He was you know, great. He really neutralized Anthony Davis, who only had 21 points and 10 rebounds, which you know kind of speaks to how great Anthony Davis is. That I'm saying 21 and 10 is not a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you look up and down the lineup uh, for the Warriors, they got contributions from all their best players. Durant with 26 points, 13 rebounds. Klay Thompson with 27 points and four three-pointers. I mean, they really got, you know, contributions from everyone in the lineup. And I just don't see – I was talking to Blake Pace about this on courtside take. Um, you know, you look at the team stats and, you know, pretty even in field goal percentage, pretty even in three-point field goal percentage. Uh, but then you go down to rebounds. The Warriors out-rebounded the Pelicans by 19, including uh, six more on the offensive glass, which is huge, and nine on the def- defensive glass. When you out-rebound someone by six – on the offensive glass, especially a team like the Warriors that can get back out on the three-point line and take a second-chance three, um, which most of the time, I mean, most of their three-point shooters can make one of two threes. So you get an offensive rebound, that's basically an automatic three. Um, you know, that's huge. I, I I was talking to Blake about this, and I don't 
think there's anyone in this Pelicans lineup uh, that can really help this rebounding problem. I mean, Anthony Davis can, um, but he can't do anything. Like, he, he, he can't carry the team rebounding-wise. Uh, Miritich is not a great rebounder. Uh, Rondo, great all-around player, but not known as a, you know, perennial rebounder. Then you go down to the bench. I mean, Diallo had three rebounds. Uh, Miller had three rebounds, and Solomon Hill had two. Three guys combined for eight, that's that's pitiful. Um, if the Warriors are able to dominate on the glass like they did in game one, this series far from over. I think we're forgetting that they're, they're missing their best player. The Warriors are missing their best player right now and really showed their advantage in this series. I mean, the Pelicans have had a good run. I think it's a four-game series. It's a clean sweep. Uh, I think they're going to pull out a win here. I mean, you know, this is a good a team that was very good both on the road and at home, a balanced squad. Um, and you mentioned the rebounds. I mean, it's going to be tough, you know, when two guys combine for 28 rebounds on one team, you know, that's really going to set you far back. I mean, you know, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant hitting the glass like they do. But with Kevin Durant, with Steph Curry coming back, um, that's going to mean a, a, you know, drop in playing time for Kevon Looney, uh, who has been a force on the glass. I think they've been having to go with some bigger lineups uh, to compensate their lack of a point guard because they don't really throw in a point guard. I mean, Nick Young, um, listed as a shooting guard by ESPN, uh, you know, can bring up the ball, but, you know, they kind of have to work around that a little bit and they decide to go with more rebounding. So I think it's going to be a little more evenly matched on the boards just in terms of minutes. Uh, you know, Miritich isn't really a rebounding power forward. Uh, he more spends time out on the wing, uh, more of a shooter. And so I don't think that's really their game. Uh, but if they need, you know, I think that's going to play into that a little bit. Obviously bringing Steph back is still a massive, you know, plus for the Warriors here. Um, but as far as that aspect of the game goes, I think the Pelicans are going to be in a little bit better shape. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's going to be – I could see the Pelicans stealing a game. I'm not going to predict it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I could see it, though. Um, I mean, you get one game from Anthony Davis where he goes, you know, the typical 45 points, 15 rebounds, yeah. and just dominates. Um, I think they need to get Rondo a little more involved. I know he had 11 assists. Um, but him in the pick and roll with Anthony Davis uh, in the past has been really good. And then I think Drew Holiday, only 11 points, 4 assists. Getting him more involved. I mean, he's 4 of 14 shooting. Maybe, you know, getting him – you know, better looks um, around around the court um, could help out. But the fact that, you know, I'm trying so hard to find a way for the Pelicans to win a game mm -hmm. just says that they're not going to win a game. Yeah, I mean, the fact that I think the biggest thing is, you know, if the Spurs were able to steal one, I think the Pelicans can too. Um, I think the Pelicans are a much better team, and they have a much better core player in Anthony Davis. So, you know, if – I mean, obviously having Steph back means they're a completely different squad. But, you know, if, if the Spurs were able to win one, I think I think we'll see the Pelicans get one too. Moving on to the other uh, top team in the Western Conference, the Houston Rockets beat the Utah Jazz in their first game of the Round 2 series, the West Semifinals. 110-196 or 96 was the final score. Um, the Rockets getting their typical production out of James Harden going off for 41 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, and Clint Capella, who had a very big first round, had 12 boards, uh, including eight on the defensive side of the glass. Kevin, is this another runaway series, you think, in the West, or are we going to be seeing the Jazz putting up a fight? It's it's tough. I think the Jazz are a much better team than the Pelicans. I mean, we saw it in the first round. Uh, they, while they, you know, ended up going six games with the Thunder, they really, you know, held PG um, in game six, two of 16 shooting. They had mel held Melo to less than 10 points. I mean, Great defensive team. Um, you know, I think in the game one, they really missed uh, Ricky Rubio. He's really their, uh, one of their best offensive players. I mean, when it comes to passing and really distributing around the offense, um, they missed him a lot. Donovan Mitchell didn't really get involved with 21 points. Um, 
you know, that you know speaks to he's not rookie of the year. That speaks to how good he was um, this year. That I'm saying 21 points wasn't good enough. Uh, but you know, I think this is a five game series, Rockets way. Uh, we saw it in the first round. They um, in the first round they dropped one game to Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, one game James Harden and Chris Paul go go cold. The Rockets could drop a game, but um, the Rockets are clearly the better team in this series with the best player in the series. And usually, when you have the best player and the best team you win the series. Yeah, and I mean, we also have to take into account that Ricky Rubio uh, is going to be out at least 10 games, uh, or 10 days, sorry, which will probably sideline him for at least until the end of this series. Maybe he makes it back for game six or game seven if it gets that far. But um, as far as the guys on the court, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, 21 years old, no playoff experience. Rudy Gobert is only 25, has only played in two playoff series prior to this year. Um, you know, they have a guy like Jay Crowder who's been there, and Dabo Cephalosha, someone who's not really talked about because he's not playing, but is still in that locker room talking to the players. Um, you know, he is providing that veteran presence there for them. So, you know, I think the inexperience is going to show a little bit here. They do have, like I said, some guides, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I mean, James Harden has worked so hard the past few years to get over his playoff hump, and I think this is really going to be the year for the Rockets, uh, the way things are shaping out. So uh, I can see a clean sweep here. I mean, I like the Jazz. Uh, I really like Donovan Mitchell, and I think they have a great future uh, between Mitchell and Gobert, kind of leading that squad. But um, I, I got to hand it to the Rockets. I mean, they flat out outplayed um, the Jazz, shooting 53% from behind the arc. I mean, their free throw percentage was almost at 80. Um, they out rebounded them, uh, you know, all over the court. I mean, it just really was, had less turnovers. You know, they just flat out outplayed the Jazz in every aspect of the game. And even though this wasn't as wide a margin uh, in terms of the score as the Warriors game was with the Pelicans, I think this game shows the Rockets are so far superior for the Jazz. Yeah, and, you know, I, I like to go back and look at the team statistics and really compare them. Um, you know, when you make 10 more three pointers than a team in a game, I think, you know, that's basically ball game right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 30 points right there. Uh, the Rockets had from three point line that the Jazz did not have. I mean, they needed to defend the three a little bit more better, a little bit more better, <laughs> a little bit better English. the rest of the series. Um, you know, letting the Rockets shoot um, 32 times from three and making 17 of them is, you know, not a good combination. Uh, so it's going to be tough for the Jazz to win a game in this series. I, you know, I predict that they'll win one. Um, you know, we saw it in the Thunder series. Donovan Mitchell could go off for forty if he, you know, really puts his skill set together and and really leads this team. But um, we'll see. I mean, I, I also think it's contingent on Ricky Rubio playing because if Ricky Rubio is not playing, that offense is not going to be good enough to beat the Rockets. So uh, I say five games, obviously. Yeah, I'm going to go with four. Uh, just just because the Rockets really look like the team to beat this season, I think they're going to beat the Warriors in the next round. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited to see James Harden uh, really go off in the playoffs in a way that we haven't seen before. Now, over on the Eastern Conference, uh, we have a couple of similar intriguing matchups. Um, the 76ers and Boston Celtics uh, squaring off tonight, 8 o'clock on TNT. Uh, the 76ers coming off a 4-1 to one win um, over the Heat in the first round, whereas the Celtics were taken to seven games against the Bucks. Definitely superior competition. Um, but, Kevin, do you think the layoff here is going to be affecting the 76ers in any way? Um, you know, having such a long break in between their last game and the first game of the series? No, I think it's very beneficial. I mean, we're going to see it uh, with, you know, the other series we're going to talk about with the Cavaliers. I think having rest is huge come playoff time. I mean, the Cavaliers are going to struggle because LeBron James is playing, you know, 45 minutes a game, and they get two days off between a win and moving on to the next round. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be tough uh, for the Celtics. I mean, coming off Game 7, a hard-fought series against the, the Bucks. Um, to really, you know, play the Sixers team. And the Sixers, 
are good because they've been able to stay healthy down the stretch. So the fact that they get some extra rest for guys like Joel Embiid, uh, Marco Bellinelli, Ben Simmons, some guys that have had some injury issues in the past is, you know, great for them moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Joel Embiid is, you know, undisputably top three center in the NBA right now. Um, he's really gone off in this series and been an anchor for them. And same with Ben Simmons. I mean, you know, all the Rookie of the Year talk had, you know, a lot of question marks around both Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. Can these guys perform in the playoffs? And both have really turned it on, really been uh, consistent forces for their respective teams. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun to watch them. I mean, you know, the scoring necessarily isn't always there, but, you know, when he's averaging eight assists per game and playing over 30 minute, 33 minutes, I mean, that's, you know, an incredible impact. Obviously, losing Kyrie here is going to be a big loss for the Celtics in this series, but, um, you know, they have the, the experience. They have uh, not necessarily depth, but, you know, players that have been there, done that. And, you know, I think it's going to be a really intriguing series. Terry Rozier, uh, one of the biggest storylines of the playoffs so far. He's been phenomenal. Uh, and I just really like, I, I'm personally not a fan of the Celtics having to, you know, be a rival with the Wizards, of course. Uh, but, I, you know, having watched this team, I have a lot of grit and I have to have a lot of respect for them. Um, Marcus Morris has really been a big club uh, locker room leader for them uh, and really helped steer this ship when so many guys have gone down. I mean, you know, you lose, you know, such a big player at the beginning of the year. They're also uh, your two best players. Yeah, I mean, you know, for that, for them to be as far as they are right now, still having come out of this regular season with 55 wins, I mean, that's an incredible accomplishment. Uh, and, you know, I think they're going to give the 76ers a run here. I wouldn't just hand this series off to Philadelphia as, as there and done, but um, I think this is going to be the more fun series uh, than the other one. Uh, in terms of the Raptors, Cavs, which we'll get to in a minute, but uh, I'm looking forward to this one. My prediction is is Celtics and six. I think that you know it's going to be some close games, but I, I can see the experience showing with Boston uh, late in games, and um, you know they have some guys that can take that last shot. Uh, ben Simmons, while definitely a phenomenal player, hasn't really been the guy to go to to shoot. Um, so unless JJ Redick is really the guy that they're they're going to last minute, which We've seen in the past, but it seems like um, they're tending to go with their younger guys uh, in bigger moments. Um, we'll see, you know, if that pans out for them. I just disagree um, with with the point on the experience. I mean, the Celtics don't have a lot of guys on their roster that have playoff experience. I mean, Jason Tatum, rookie. Mm -hmm. um, you go up and down, Semi Ojale, rookie. Uh, Al Horford, playoff experience, but never deep in the playoffs. Um, you keep going, Marcus Smart, young. There's a lot of guys. Marcus Morris. Well, Marcus Smart's hurt, but mm -hmm. Marcus Morris, um, no deep playoff experience. I mean, name a player on that roster that's won a playoff series. I don't, I don't know. Al Horford might have um, with the Hawks, but I, I, I don't see the playoff experience there. Where I, I see more playoff experience Greg with the Sixers. Um, okay, and Marco Bellinelli, um, great playoff experience. JJ Redick has won some playoff series um, in the past. Uh, they have great shooting. I just don't see the Celtics being able to slow down the combination of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And for that reason, um, that reason only, I think uh, you know the Sixers are going to win this series in six games. Um, I think if it goes back to Boston for Game 7, it's going to be really tough for the Sixers to win in TD Garden in Game 7 uh, with the Eastern Conference Finals on the line. So I go Sixers in six. I think you know the Sixers are the better team and have the best player. Got to go with them. You know, you're also forgetting that, you know, the Celtics have Brad Stevens, guy who has been to the Eastern Conference Finals before, has been to two NCAA National Championship games, whereas Brett Brown has coached a rebuilding Philadelphia squad his entire career. You know, this is just as new an experience for 
um, brown it is for a lot of these players. And I think Stevens, you know, even with, you know, the guys that have gone down, I mean, Gordon Hayward's one playoff series, Kyrie Irving's one playoff series, they're still in that locker room. They're still talking to these players. And with Brad Stevens and the two of them really being, you know, those vocal guys, I think that they can help steer the ship. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I trust the Celtics to move past this round, uh, but they just seem, you know, after everything, you know, they've been through this year in terms of injuries, I can't pick against them. Not really a sentimental reason, just because I've just seen the grit that this team has and how they fight in the fourth quarter. Uh, they're one of the better fourth quarter teams in the entire NBA. Uh, and yes, that was with Kyrie, a, a guy who has been known to be one of the better fourth quarter players. But, you know, he still has a support cast around him. And so far, they've been able to fill in the holes just fine. Yes, they went to seven games with Milwaukee, but I really like that Milwaukee team. I thought they had a chance to beat, um, to beat the Celtics here. But the 76ers, I mean, I don't think anyone was picking the Heat to, to top them, and it was a clear mismatch there. You know, great run for the Heat, but really not the same caliber team. I think the Celtics, you know, with Brad Stevens, just have that edge, have that, you know, what they need. Now, the future for Philadelphia, very bright, and I can definitely see them winning some uh, NBA Finals, you know, in the near future. But as far as this season goes, I, I got to go with the Celtics here. Uh, six games, just because, you know, this team has had so much grit, and I don't see them bowing out in the semifinals. I don't see them battling out, but the up and down the lineup, the Sixers just have a better team. I mean, you go position by position. I don't see an advantage for the Boston Celtics. It's going to be really tough in this series. Um, you know, Joel Embiid is really going to you know expose the Celtics down low. I don't think Al Horford has the defensive ability to really slow down Joel Embiid, especially with Embiid's ability to really take the ball out to the three point line and shoot. Um, and then you look at Ben Simmons. I mean, who are they going to put on Ben Simmons? Marcus Morris not fast enough. Um, Semi Ojale not fast enough. Who they put, you know, earlier in the game. They're not gonna put Terry Rozier. He's you know, eight inches shorter than him. Um, you know, there's really no one in that lineup I think that can slow down Ben Simmons. And for that reason, on top of you know the amount of the way that JJ Redick and Marco, Marco Bellinelli are shooting the ball, I I just can't see the Celtics winning this series. Now, if they had Kyrie Irving, I'd say it's a different story. I think I still think it's a seven game series. If Kyrie Irving's here, It'd be a really good series back and forth. Um, but I just don't see a go-to score on the Celtics. And, you know, my usual thing is if you have the best player in the series, best team, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again, that team usually wins. Um, you look at it with the Rockets series, you got James Harden, best player on the best team. They're going to win that series. Durant, best player on the floor in that uh, Pelican series, going to take them. Um, you go over in the East, probably going to take LeBron over the over the Raptors, um, best player. And that, that that might be the only exception, actually. I don't think the Cavs are the best team. I think the Cavs got outplayed against the Pacers. They weren't the best team in that series, but they had the best player. And I think the fact that LeBron is so good and best one of the best players of all time kind of trumps my theory. But usually I go with best player on the best, best player, best team wins the series. All right. Well, that propels us into our final uh, game here, talking Cavs, Raptors. Cavs, of course, coming off that Game 7 win over the Pacers, um, having to battle back from down 3-2. Uh, you showed a lot of you know grit there, and especially for a team that was put together midseason, uh, gotta like it. And then the Raptors taking care of the Wizards in six, um, outplayed them throughout the series. You know they dropped two on the road, which were tough losses, but they were able to win Game Six in Washington. So you know they showed that they could top a, a playoff caliber team uh, on the road. Now, do I really think the Wizards were you know all that? No, I thought that I didn't have really have faith in them the entire time, but. Uh, still, you know, a good series win for the Raptors. Good for them to get over their playoff hump uh, after having so many issues in years past with DeRozan and Lowry. 
uh, just not able to perform once the postseason got started. But now they're they're pitted against the best player in the world, LeBron James, uh, who just had a phenomenal series. You know, a lot of people are talking about who's the MVP of the first round. Is it LeBron or Anthony Davis? Because Anthony Davis has probably more of the raw numbers, but LeBron at the clutch moments. Um, so I can see an argument either way. But regardless, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, that gets started tomorrow, uh, 8 o'clock, also on TNT. Uh, Kevin, who do you got in this series? I think I'm going to go with Cavs in seven. I can really see a repeat of the Pacers series where it really comes down to LeBron in a game seven. Can he get it done? Uh, probably the best game, game seven player of all time. I'm going to go with the Cavs. I'm going to go Cavs in seven. Uh, I mean, just imagine LeBron going into Toronto for a game seven and winning that. Um, you know, people will be ready to stamp him as the best player of all time, just like they do all the time um, when he, you know, puts on these great performances, important games. Uh, but I think. The Raptors just don't have LeBron James on the team. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, if you don't have LeBron, who can put up uh, 35 to 40 in every game and really dominate on the offense and defensive end, I mean, the series is lost. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the Raptors have really been proving me wrong this postseason. DeRozan and Lowry have played a lot better than, you know, we were talking about earlier. But it's LeBron James, and it's the Eastern Conference. While I don't think they're going to win the Eastern Conference, mm -hmm. I still think they can win this series. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing here is is can the Cavs reserves and, and players around LeBron basically, you know, step up and play to the Raptors level. I mean, they had the one number one seed. They outplayed every team in the Eastern Conference all year. Uh, very, very solid team and very deep. Um, as James Ferris came on the show and talked about, you know, they have they have a decent amount of depth, um, and especially in the front court. But the Cavs, you know, LeBron's obviously going to be the heart and soul of this offense, but Tristan Thompson scored 15 points at 10 rebounds uh, in that in the last game against the Pacers. Kevin Love showed up, had 14 points, uh, six rebounds of his own. Uh, J.R. Smith went out, had 11 points, um, was very effective from three. You know, th that's what I'm talking about. If, if the Cavs are going to be able to move on, we got to see these other guys around LeBron really stepping up and playing, you know, their game. Can Kevin Love be the guy that he used to be? You know, he had some injury issues early on, but... Uh, appears to be healthy now and is playing over 30 minutes a game. Same with Tristan Thompson, who is surprisingly playing such a big role in this team. Uh, probably not something you would have really guessed at the beginning of the year um, with the guys that we had on this this, this roster. But, uh, you know, can Larry Nance Jr. come out of the, the bench and be effective? You know, he went uh, 0 for 2 um, from the field, scored just one point in 13 minutes. George Hill did go had 11 points and six rebounds. Very good game for him. Um, but, you know, Jeff Green had a poor game, uh, 0 for 2 from behind the arc, 1 for 5 overall. Uh, just, you know, they're going to need a little bit more production. They actually had their bench um, outplayed uh, by the Pacers in that last game there. So uh, not really what you're looking for out of this team, but we'll have to see. I, I think the Cavs take care of business with the Raptors. Um, their playoff woes certainly weren't bothering them that first round, and I think we can put that behind them uh, in terms of, you know, a caveat for the, if this team can play. Uh, but, you know, with, with Rosen and Lowry uh, leading that team, I, I'm just not sure about that stability, uh, the leadership there, because, you know, they haven't been to this this, this far. They've been to this far in the playoffs. They've been in the second round, uh, but they've never gotten past it before, and, and that's definitely a hump there. And we'll have to see if they can really steer this team um, to, to make it this far. So I'm going to have to go with Cavs. Um, I'm going to say Cavs in six as well as, as Celtics. Uh, don't see it going all the way. But, you know, I, I do think this bench is really going to, you know, these, these players are better than they've been playing. Uh, and the Pacers are a good defensive team. And not that the Raptors aren't, but, um, you know, I think, I think we're in for a good one. Um, but the Cavs are, are ultimately going to get through it. Sounds good. So me and Blake did this on the last episode. Kind of wanted to get your opinion. We've moved on to another round of the playoffs. 
Um, we've had some storylines, some changes in teams, and you know, you've really got to see how these teams are playing the playoffs with teams like the Raptors and the Rockets, teams that have struggled in the past but are playing really well right now. What's your finals prediction? You don't have to give me the games and who wins, but just the two teams right now who you know you think are going to go to the finals. I love the Pelicans. Pelicans are my favorite team from the first round. Can't pick them to pick the, beat the Warriors. Um, but I'm going to go with the Rockets uh, and the Celtics in this one. I think we're going to get two new two new teams here. I really believe in the Celtics. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think that I don't think it's going to go um, going to be an easy win over whoever wins that series between the Raptors and Cavs. Um, but I can see it going seven, and, and the Celtics getting there. I'm telling you, they've got Brad Stevens. I cannot give him enough credit. He's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Uh, just a great basketball mind. Um, and I, I think really a good leader too, and can take this team, you know, it's almost like the Eagles, you know, losing Carson Wentz and can they, you know, get past, you know, that one player, can Nick Foles fill in and, and Terry Rosera is filled in. I don't think, you know, there's any question about that. And so this is a team that certainly does have a little bit less depth because they don't have Kyrie, but is, is still getting the same production out of that starting five. And that's the biggest key. Uh, I think Jason Tatum goes off and has a, has a fantastic series. I've been really impressed with him. Uh, as long as he can stay healthy, he's questionable for game one. I'm not sure if they cleared him yet. Uh, or sorry, that's Jalen Brown. But uh, Jason Tatum has had a really good um, playoff and really just a really good regular season. Very impressed from him. So, uh, you know, I'm going to hold off on picking who wins. Uh, probably would pick Rockets there. But, you know, we'll see once we kind of get a little bit closer. What about you? I'm going to go with the same in the Western Conference. I think the way the Rockets are playing, um, you really – I in the past, we've seen a lot of impressive teams in the Western Conference that – feel like we want to beat the Warriors and to we want them to have the ability to beat the Warriors just because we don't want to see the Warriors in the finals every year but I think this year what we want is going to happen I think the Rockets um you know are really a lot better um sorry I think the Rockets are a lot better than the Warriors so sorry the Rockets are not a lot better than the Warriors <laughs> but I think in a seven game series the Rockets have what it takes um I'm gonna go Rockets in the Western Conference Sixers in the Eastern Conference uh, might be a little bit of a biased pick, but up and down depth-wise, I think the Sixers have the most in the Eastern Conference. They also have two of the best players in the Eastern Conference with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The combination of those two, I don't see Cleveland being able to slow them down in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, and I don't see the Raptors. So um, I, I already think that the Sixers have beat the Celtics. I think that series um, you know, it's going to go in the Sixers' favor, but I'm going to go with the hot pick, Houston over Sixers, and if I was going to say games and who would win, it would be Rockets in five. Rockets in five. You don't yeah. give them a chance getting past nah. two wins? I think whoever comes out of the Western Conference probably beats whoever's in the Eastern Conference in four or five games. Um, I mean, you look, if it's Warriors-Cavs again, it was five games last year and the Cavs were better. Mm -hmm. So you, you almost have to pencil it in for four or five games at that point. Mm -hmm. um, LeBron's heroics have barely beat the Pacers. It's not beating the Warriors. That's very true. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our NBA coverage there. Um, we're going to move over to the MLB, where I want to do a segment, Real or Not. Uh, I'm going to list off two teams uh, and something that they have going for them right now. Uh, and Kevin, I want you to tell me if you think that it's working for them. And then we'll go two players uh, who have also started off very well. Um, and first is the Pittsburgh Pirates, who currently are top of the National League Central by half a game over the Chicago Cubs. Um, playing very well, uh, just won five straight. Uh, including a sweep of a team that I forget, but is pulling up Cardinals. They just swept the Cardinals, took two or three of the Tigers, um, did get swept by the Phillies prior to that, um, something that I'm sure you would know about. But uh, 
Four-game sweep. Four-game sweep. But Pittsburgh's offense has the third-highest OPS in the National League and second-most runs scored, uh, powered by Corey Dickerson, a guy who not a lot of people believed in this offseason, uh, wasn't really getting the contract offers he was looking for, uh, signed a short-term deal with the Pirates, uh, and has been the same guy that he was in the first half with the Rays last year. Um, that, you know, a lot of people said, oh, he, he can't sustain it. He made the all-star team, but after that kind of fell off a little bit, but he's back on his game, uh, currently hitting 316 with two home runs, but 15 RBIs as a pair of stolen bases and seven walks on the year, uh, you know, coming out to an 857 OPS. He's kind of been the heart of that offense so far. Kevin, do you think that the Pirates can really sustain this? I mean, they trade Garrett Cole, they trade uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Is this a team that really we're going to see competing? Or are they going to about to fade as we kind of get into the season here? I just don't see the talent up and down their lineup. Um, I understand they're going to need more out of Josh or out of Josh Bell. Yes, they're going to need more out of Josh Bell. I mean, he hit two forty one. He's hitting two forty one right now. Um, you know, he's a young up and coming player. Only has one home run. Only has six thirty six OPS. They're going to need more out of him. I was a big believer in the Corey Dickerson trade this offseason. I really liked what he did in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, he's a great power hitter. Uh, I think the Rockies gave up on him a little too quick, trading him to the Rays. Um, and then, oh, I forgot he got traded. I thought he was exactly. on uh, free agency. Yeah, 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 no, he got traded. Yeah. Um, so you know, Corey Dickerson, I think, is a great player. I think he can be the anchor of this lineup. Um, I just don't think they have enough firepower up and down the lineup to really play in a division like the NL Central and the National League in general. Um, has too many good teams. Uh, I really like the, the play of Polanco so far. I mean, uh, he's got a other than you know the average, he has six home runs, uh, seven fifty OPS. Uh, then, you know, a good part, I go down the starting rotation, um, just not a fan. I mean, they just had the guy come up and almost throw, um, the perfect game in his first career start out. That was crazy, but, uh, I don't know if I believe in Trevor Williams to really have this 2.29 ERA the rest of the year. I think he's more a 3.5 to 4 range ERA-wise. Yvonne Nova has shown in his career he's more of a 4.5 ERA guy. Um, and then, you know, after that, they basically, um, fall off the table here. I mean, don't, don't sleep on Chad Cool and Jamison Tayon. I think they're both, you know, 26 and 25 years old, respectively. They're, uh, you know, coming up, up-and-coming players, uh, especially Tayon having to battle with cancer last year, uh, coming back and has, has been effective. I mean, yeah, the numbers aren't there, but, you know, his peripherals are pretty good. Uh, still a 1.2 whip, uh, very good, 8.4K per nine. His home runs, he's still allowing 1.4, so needs to work on his home runs a little bit. Um, but you know, this is, this is a good player. I personally have been fantasy and have been a big believer in the guy. Um, and Chad cool actually has been, um, a, a pretty good player in terms of just being stable. He was able to pitch in 30 games last year, only managed 157 innings. So struggles to go deep into games a little bit, but you know, if he can get past that and, and continue his development, I think this is a young pitching staff that, uh, you know, has some potential to be good. Trevor Williams is only the beginning. Uh, I like Chad Kuhl. I like Jameson Tayon. I think the three of them are a good building block. Um, I haven't seen enough of Steven Brault yet uh, to really, you know, make my conviction on him. I mean, he's only played 97 innings uh, in the majors overall. But Ivan Nova, uh, veteran presence, has been around uh, on a few good teams, uh, most notably the Yankees uh, in years past. And, you know, I'm, I don't know. I, I, th I like this team. Nats are in town uh, playing them for four games. Uh, so we'll see how they do because the Nats have really been uh, slipping in terms of how well they've been playing. But we are getting even Ivan Nova versus Steven Strasburg tonight. Great matchup there. Um, but we'll have to see. I, I think this is a team that can hang around, kind of like the Brewers did last year, maybe a team we weren't expecting at the beginning of the year. Uh, but this offense, you know, as far as the offense goes, like a, 
originally mentioned, I really like what Francisco Cervelli's doing. Uh, a guy that you did have a very, very good year uh, back in 2015, OPS plus 113, um, but struggled with injuries in almost every other season of his career. Um, so if he can stay healthy, I think that he can be uh, a big presence for them. Um, but we'll have to see, you know, if he can stay on the field because that's obviously a big deal. Dickerson, like I said, uh, wasn't getting the respect he deserved. Starling Marte uh, gotten off to a pretty good start there. And Gregory Polanco, too. Um, so, you know, that, that outfield is one of the better ones in baseball right now. There was a – used to be when um, we had Andrew McCutcheon in center field, you know, having Marte and Polanco out there was considered uh, the best uh, outfield in baseball before, you know, Giancarlo Stanton and Christian Yelich really busted onto the scene there. Um, you know, so, and they're still, you know, they're a little older now, 29 years old. Uh, Polanco's only 26, but, uh, you know – they still have a lot left in the tank, and I think this is an offense that can kind of keep it going. Now, if they, can they compete with the Cubs, who actually have the second highest uh, OPS in the league, in the National League, and one of the higher run score totals? Now, I don't know. Don't think so. I mean, the Cubs offense certainly, you know, has been there, done that, won a World Series, been one of the better offenses in the National League. Uh, so I don't think that they're going to win this division by any means, but I think that this offense can keep this team afloat enough to be in contention for a wild card spot. Uh, maybe in contention for a wild card spot. The only problem for me is, yes, they're good this year. Um, I believe they have the third best record in the National League. Maybe wrong. Um, but it's just too busy of a National League. I mean, you look at the standings uh, right now, you got four teams potentially in the NL East uh, that can make a playoff run. I mean, the Braves are really surprising early. I think everyone expected the Phillies to be an 85, about 85 win team. Uh, they're playing up to that standard right now. You know the Nationals are going to turn around, even though they're 8 and 16 over the last 24. Let's hope so. Um, <laughs> and then the New York Mets have stayed healthy so far in our 17 and 9. Uh, then you go to the Central, you got another four teams that can make the playoffs if you include uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates who are in a half, are half game up and the Cubs for the first place. And then you go to the NL West, um, you have another four teams. I mean, you, you learned that's 12 teams for um, five spots. That's tough. I mean, for that's me, tough. for me, uh, I believe... I believe the Nats are going to be able to turn things around. I believe in the Mets, and I believe in the Phillies. I don't think the Braves are ready yet, and their offense has got off to a scorching start. Ozzie Albies is playing like a you know an MVP player right now, no, so I, you know, I'm not sure if I believe in the Braves right now, um, and I don't think I believe in the Cardinals either. Uh, they've been middling around 500. The Brewers aren't, are, you know, this NL Central, I mean, is stacked right now with four teams over 500. Brewers, I, I'd love to see in the playoffs. I think I picked them to make the playoffs. Um, so it could be, you know, a three-team race there, a three-team race. Uh, over in the NL East, and then I think they're going to have a two-team race uh, between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers once the Dodgers turn things around in that NL West. So, um, you know, I, I think it's more of an eight-team race, which, you know, when five of them make it, you know, that's still having that, that wild cards rotation. I think one wild card team is going to run away with things, and we'll have to have a, kind of, a you know, a race for that second spot. But as far as that nationally goes, uh, you know, I think they're definitely – a spot for the Pirates to, you know, make a run here. Now, my other team I wanted to talk about was the D-backs, um, whose pitching has been absolutely insane. They lead the league with a 2.89 ERA, and they're pitching. It's the best uh, in all of baseball, and they have the best rotation ERA in all of baseball. The D-backs, of course, having... Second uh, best ERA in baseball. No, best. I'm looking at the standings right now. Of course, I'm looking in the National League only. That would be the problem. Um, Houston Astros. Houston Astros have the best, of course, with Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole absolutely going off. But best in the National League. Uh, my apologies, I had the NL stats up without realizing it. Um, but this Diamondbacks pitching staff, I just watched them play the Nats. Uh, one took two of three, um, and you know Zach Granke hasn't even been uh, even the third best pitcher on, on this team so far. I mean Patrick Corbin, 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to hold off on him because he's the guy I want to talk about a little bit. Um, but Zach Godley, uh, Robbie Ray, while his peripherals aren't great, he actually did just leave the start um, after five, four outs uh, with an injury. So we'll have to see uh, what his diagnosis is moving forward. Uh, according to this, uh, he is not expected to make a scheduled start on Friday. So uh, that's a big one against the Astros. But um, I, I think this, this pitching staff is very deep. Um, you know, the closer role is Brad Boxberger in there right now, an experienced closer. Uh, maybe not held as one of the best, but he's been doing pretty well. Um, does have eight saves right now. Archie Bradley's converted a few. Uh, he's had uh, some good years. TJ McFarlane was a guy that uh, his ERA is a little bloated right now because he gave up two runs against the Nats. But actually, when Robbie Ray exited in the second inning, McFarlane came in and pitched four and two-thirds innings, did allow two runs over that span, but was able to give the uh, Diamondbacks innings, was able to you know let them use him rather than spell their entire bullpen leading into you know a, a series with the Dodgers coming up um, where you know I'm... I was very impressed, and I think this bullpen is, is good. Uh, maybe not all the names that you know the Yankees might have in their bullpen, but uh, so far, so good for the um, the Diamondbacks. And if Zach Greinke can start to improve and Robbie Ray gets healthy again, I mean, you know, that spells you know a lot of good fortune for them. I mean, they even lost Taiwan Walker for the year uh, to Tommy John surgery, and they're still you know, having a next man up mentality. Uh, we're seeing uh, Matt Coach uh, step up, has made uh, two starts, is a one nine three ERA. Uh, very good for him. Um, so, you know, this rotation, it's deep. It's got some depth in the minors if they need it, which, you know, not something you would have expected of the Diamondbacks. I can't believe they've been able to rise from mediocrity to now uh, having such, you know, a horrible farm system over the past few years. They've really just not been able to take anyone from the farm uh, and had to go into free agency. And they've done a very good job with it. Uh, and, you know, I'm very impressed with this team. Yeah, I, I really like the way the Diamondbacks are playing too. I mean, the fact that their ERA um, is at 289, uh, as a team, and you know they're, they're hitting the ball pretty well. I, I really like the lineup up and down. I mean, you got Paul Goldschmidt, um, AJ Pollock is actually returning to form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a couple of years ago, he was one of the best outfielders in baseball. I think he needed that year um, of adjustment after the injury to really, you know, get back to uh, where he was. And you know, it's a very dangerous lineup um, when you throw together the pitching. Uh, it's going to be tough, but I think this all goes back to the National League again. I don't know. You, you know, you look at that division. Um, Which know, has been awful. The NOS has been the worst and in I baseball. Think that, and I think there's got potential there. There's a lot of potential. I mean, you, you could look at the NL East and say it's not that great either um, because a lot of people don't think that I mean, they Braves, still have three teams over no, no, 500, listen, though. You, you could think, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could look at the Braves and just think that's fake, right? I mean, they're 27 games in. They're 16-11. Uh, people could say the Phillies are fake, right? And then you look at the Nats and they're four games. You could say that's pretty mediocre than the Mets. You could, but... What I'm trying to say is I think the Dodgers are much better than obviously uh, a 12 and 15 record. I think the Giants are probably an 82, 83 win team, um, you know, right around 500. I don't think they're, you know, really good, um, but they, they can get 81 wins. And I think the the Rockies are a sleeper team too. They got a great mm-hmm. lineup. Um, Not a know, fan think, of the Rockies. I don't think they're, they're their pitching staff or like their, their bullpen. bullpen. And their bullpen is all they have, and their offense does not hit on the road. You know, they get all that offensive art. 29 hardcore. games in, though. Like, but no, yeah. I'm saying, you know, I, I had the same, said the same thing before the season started. I mean, the Rockies have scored less runs than three teams in their own division, and they play half their games at Coors Field. I mean, that's a horrible start for that offense. You know, Ian Desmond, where do they even put him? That's where half their offensive payroll is right now. Obviously, signing Charlie Blackman was huge, and he's a great player, and Nolan Arenado is going to add uh, a lot. But, you know, outside of, of them two, um, you know, it's really just – some guys that, you know, DJ LeMay, who hits for a very high average at home, uh, doesn't hit for a lot of power, 
in any way. Um, so when he's on the road, he's really not doing much. Trevor Story has some pop, and I, I like him. He's a young player uh, who battled a few injuries, but certainly has a bright future. You know, maybe they can get some power out of him, but he doesn't have um, the super high batting average. So, you know, the Rockies don't impress me. I, and the Dodgers have gotten off to a slow start where, you know, teams, national media outlets are starting to knock the Nats and Dodgers down their power rankings. I mean, I saw the Nats as low as 21st uh, by Bleacher Reports rankings today. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's all not all, it's April 30th right now. You know, you're getting past the it's still early mantra where, you know, you're like, oh, you know, they'll get they'll figure it out. It's time to start figuring things out. And, you know, if this carries over into May and we still see, you know, the Nats middling down around 500 and the Dodgers, you know, we're at four games under right now. Uh, I don't know if I can trust them to turn things around. I mean, we saw it with the Cubs yet last year. Yes. But they were also, you know, hovered around a little over 500. They weren't a great team. They weren't a bad team either. The Nats have been flat out bad in a lot of situations. I have not been impressed at all with a lot of, of the games we've seen there, especially the bullpen, which is going to need some additions at the trade deadline for sure. The Dodgers have been dealt some injuries, you know, had to deal with Rich Hill, uh, you know, hitting the disabled list, had to deal with Justin Turner uh, and Logan Forsythe. So, you know, they're definitely challenged depth wise, which the Nats are too. You know, Adam Eaton, Anthony Rendon, Brian Goodwin, all guys were on the DL. Um, but, you know, going back to this, this Diamondbacks pitching staff, you know, you, you can make all the excuses for the Dodgers you want, but the Diamondbacks are on top of the division right now, and they are playing some really good baseball. They've won every single series to start the year, set, tying an MLB record uh, with the 1908 Chicago Cubs, uh, which infamously was the last Chicago Cubs team to win the World Series before uh, a couple of years ago with the Cubs then. Uh, you know, that was a very good team, and this is a very good team now, and the Diamondbacks are, you know, They've really impressed me. I watched them play against the Nats, and I got to say that, you know, they can outplay some very good baseball teams, whether it's offensively, whether it's pitching, whether it's defense. They, are, you know, are very, really complete all over the field. You know, the team can stay healthy. If they can have Pollock for the whole year, uh, if they can, you know, get this pitching staff. Patrick Corbin's dealt with a lot of injuries. If he can maintain what he's been doing. I mean, this is a very complete team, and I really like what, we're gonna, what I'm seeing. Yeah, no, I, and I like the Diamondbacks. I, don't get me wrong. I just think. They're going to have to win that division because it's going to be really tough to get a wild card spot in the National League. I mean, I don't have to go through it again, but the other two divisions have, you know, eight teams above 500 right now. Uh, seven teams above 500, um, counting the Nationals because I think they're a lot better than the record indicates. But, um, you know, I really like the way they're you know, pitching and hitting and, you know, really playing a, a well-rounded game right now. Um, you know, they have the best run differential in the National League um, ahead of the Atlanta Braves by one run. Um, and, I, I definitely could see them winning the division. Um, I just you know want to wait another month before I see if the Dodgers will come around. I want to move over to Patrick Corbin though uh, to talk about him specifically. You know, real or not, um, he's been a very effective pitcher. Uh, certainly in that conversation for NL Pitcher of the Month, uh, along with guys like Max Scherzer, Johnny Cueto, and, and Carlos Martinez and Jacob Degrom. I don't want to forget him. Uh, all guys that had very stellar um, pitch uh, months. Uh, on respective National League clubs. But Patrick Corbin, uh, been a good story. You know, he hasn't had a really good year since 2013, um, but so far so good as 2.25 ERA. Uh, you know, very good strikeout rate. Uh, K per nine is 12.4 right now. Um, not walking a lot of guys, not giving up a lot of home runs, and a very good um, ground ball rate. But, you know, his peripherals are a little bit concerning. Uh, his BABIP is 2.22 right now, which shows that his guys hitting against him aren't very hitting that well. Um, you know, just getting unlucky. Left on base percentage, 88%. Uh, league average is about 75. Um, so he's being just getting lucky enough to get the outs when he needs them, um, which some can say, you know, guys coming out of the stretch, they turn it on a little bit. But statistically, uh, he's getting lucky. So whether you weigh that as, you know, a, uh, as, a good, as a good thing or a bad thing, 
uh, is up to you. But you know, so the peripherals aren't necessarily great, um, but has been very effective limiting walks. Uh, whip is, is is pretty good. Um, his opponent's batting average one sixty three. So uh, you know, you gotta like what you've been seeing. Um, but you know, and his and his hard hit rate is actually right around his career norms. So uh, he's just doing a really good job of, of getting weak contact, fifty four percent ground ball rate, which is excellent, um, and you know, getting those strikeouts when he needs them. What do you think, Kevin? Do you think Patrick Corbin is going to be able to, you know, keep up good work? Yeah, I mean, 2.25 is a little high, um, you know, for where he's going to be at the end of the year. You know, I really liked him a couple of years ago. I know I have him in fantasy. I, you know, think he's a great pitcher. Now, the the K, the caper, I don't think it's going to stay that high. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's really, you know, that good of a strikeout pitcher. Um, but, you know, the 4 0 record with a 2.25 with 55 strikeouts in 40 innings and a .75 whip. I mean, you got to like those numbers. Um, you know, especially playing for a great team right now uh, with the Diamondbacks. Uh, do I think he'll keep it up? Probably not. I think you know he's probably a high threes guy. Um, he'll have a couple of bad starts on the stretch. Reminds me of Mike but, Leake starting the year last year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's always those guys um, that get off to you know terrific starts and then you know throw together a couple of starts where they give up six earned and three and a third. Yeah, maybe um, they make the All Star team out of it, but exactly. you know, that's about it. Um, but you know, it's promising. It's it's good to it's good for the Diamondbacks. I mean. It looked like after his first year in the league where he just, you know, was dominant. They, you know, one of the best, he was going to be one of the best up-and-coming pitchers in baseball. Um, and then he really fell off with injuries and some other things. Um, but now at age 28, you know, really heading towards his prime, having a great year. It, it's good to see, um, and especially for the Diamondbacks, I mean, it's going to cost them some money if uh, he keeps this up. But, you know, great story, and I, I don't think he'll keep it up exactly, but he'll have a good year. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I'm I'm up and down about him. I think Robbie Ray and Zach Granke are going to regress to being a little bit better than they are, and I think Patrick Corbin's going to regress and get a little bit worse. But um, I really have liked what I've seen out of him. You know, he did, did pretty well against the Nats, three runs, seven hits, one walk, six and two-thirds innings, um, striking out seven. You know, I'm not sure if he can keep up the strikeouts, but, you know, the thing is with him is he's not really changing his approach. He just has better command this year than he has in previous years. Uh, so, we'll, you know, that is definitely a sign that, you know, he's just gotten better as a pitcher uh, and is doing, you know, hitting his spots. And, and that's major key. I mean, obviously a pitcher wants to hit his spots, but, uh, you know, for a guy that is, is even in the past, you know, his, his strikeout rates aren't phenomenal. Um, but, you know, was still a guy that, you know, trended in the high sevens, low eights. Uh, so he was going for strikeouts, certainly, maybe just not getting them as often as he liked. But now he, he's really starting to get those Ks. Uh, and I think that's a very big indicator of, you know, good good things to come for Patrick Corbin. Final player, uh, real or not, D.D. Gregorius, player we have talked to, Tom Robertson, uh, NHL editor, has come on multiple times, uh, in, in being one of the better shortstops in the majors. Is he going to be able to keep up his pace? Now, he's been uh, on a really a tear offensively. Um, been kind of the highlight of this offense yet, you know, when you expect Aaron Judge or uh, John Carlos Stanton, you know, he's leading the entire MLB in OPS with a 1.202. His slugging percentage is also MLB high at 766. Got 30 RBIs, leads the league in homers at 10. His isolated power, now get this, his career average isolated power, which is slugging minus on-base percentage, okay, his career average is 158. This year, 426. Has absolutely been crushing the ball. Um, just really been uh, an outstanding player. His strikeout rate has declined. His walkout rate, his walk rate has skyrocketed. I mean, he is doing literally everything better uh, than he has in previous years. He already has surpassed um, his WAR total from three separate seasons. Um, I mean, this has been a really a crazy start for him. Can he keep it up? 
Kevin, what are your thoughts? I don't think he's a 340 hitter with a 1202 OPS, so obviously he's not going to keep that up. If he does, you know, that's one of the best seasons out of shortstop in Major League Baseball history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 10 home runs is great. I, I think he'll hit 30-plus home runs. Um, he'll drive in 100 runs. He'll hit about 285, 290 um, with, you know, a, a, a elevated 800s OPS. Um, but I don't see those these numbers right here staying um, where they're at right now. And, um, I mean, it's interesting because you talked about with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Um, you would have thought those two guys would be anchoring this lineup, but it's really D.D. Gregorius early. Um but, you know, a career OPS of 746, I just don't see it staying at 1202. Yeah, and also his home run per fly ball rates. So think about that. It's every, how many um, home runs per uh, ball put in the air. League average is 9.5%, which also co- happens to be his career average. This year he's at 24.4%. I mean, that's just getting, you know, hitting the barrel of the ball uh, a lot and getting lucky, you know, you got to think he's going to cool off. However, his batting average on balls from play is below league average at 293 right now. Uh, so even though he's hitting 340, he's actually not doing as well um, when the ball, he's putting the ball in play a lot more, just not striking out uh, and putting it in a ton and not getting as lucky as, as some other players are. So that go- tells me that, you know, the hitting is there. He's going to be able to be a hitter. I just don't know about the power. Now, he's one of those guys that has really noticed the, the launch angle. Uh, revolution and started to just try and drive the ball up in the air because he's noticing it's, it's going farther when he drives it as opposed to when it, he used to. Um, so he's going to benefit from that. Um, but, you know, he, he's actually hitting the ball really hard, too. He's hitting 37% hard hard hit ball ratio uh, percentage, according to Fangraphs, which is blowing away his career high of 27 uh, by 10% there. So, you know, he's, he's hitting the ball hard. He's not hitting it on the ground, you know, way below his league average. You know, all the numbers are showing that he's going to be a very, very good offensive player, just not really be able to keep up this home run rate, which is no surprise. I mean, you know, anyone hitting 25% of their fly balls over the fence is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, so we're going to see that regress a little bit. But I think Didi's for real. And, you know, I've, I've made fun of Tom for saying that Gregorius is a top five shortstop and entering the season. I don't think that he was, but uh, so far he has really taken over for this Yankees offense. And if he can have a year like he is right now, uh, you know, trending in that direction, I would certainly put him among the top shortstops. I mean, he's playing better than Carlos Correa has, you know, ever been projected. And Correa has been the unanimous, like, shortstop of the future for MLB uh, over the past three or four years. So, you know, I really like what I've seen out of Gregorius in the peripheral show that, you know, he's for real. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll have to see how down the stretch uh, he the great thing about baseball is people adjust, players, pitchers adjust um, to you know what what he's doing well at the plate. Uh, you know they'll walk him a little bit more, pitch around him, and then they'll start going after him again, uh, cool him down a little bit. But you know definitely good for the Yankees to see a 28 year old shortstop coming after Derek Jeter to come in and produce like this. Um, you know definitely promising for their future. Yep. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pure Sports Net, like us on Facebook at Pure Sports Network, and check out our website at puresportsnetwork.com. I'm Matt Wyrick. This is Kevin Haswell signing off. Kevin, any final words for the good people? If you want to see a great production, tune in to TNT tonight. Not only the production will be great, the Sixers will be great. They will win game one. Stamp that here. Nats get started at seven against the Pirates. Looking forward to the series. Got Scherzer, I mean Strasburg on the mound. So we got hopefully. Strasburg, we got Arietta. It's gonna be a good night of pitching. It really will be. We'll see uh, who has the better day. Uh, it's two guys who have been right in the middle of Cy Young conversations for years. So we shall see. But that's all for today. Thank you all so much for listening, and have a good one. Thanks, guys.